and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm your host Andy Barge and with me today are the Daily Records, Tony Haggerty and Liam Bryce. We'll be discussing Celtic's turnaround in form, the make or break tie with Leipzig in the Europa League and the potential new deal on the horizon for Ryan Christie. Let's take a look at the Hearts game. Fellas, a thumping result. Tony, what did you make of it? Well, first and foremost, I'd like to say, Andy, I think we predicted that on last week's <laughs> podcast, so and we'll pat ourselves on the back f- for that. Uh, did say that Celtic were now free-flowing and there was a zip and a zest to them and they, they really did put hearts to the sword and could have been more than five, to be honest. Uh, and as we've touched on, they just seem to have rediscovered their domestic mojo and we were speaking off earlier there and we are saying that they're not just beating teams now, they're actually crushing teams, you know, uh, in their path and it's kind of ominous for the rest, you know, because they are, they are swashbuckling now. You know, spells danger, Liam, for the rest of the league. It does, I think. Uh, ominous is probably the word that will get uh, thrown about because it, it's it's got kind of echoes of where we were about this stage in 2016. Well, maybe not quite the league table as yet, but certainly the form um, where teams are just, as Tony said, being completely put to the sword. And it was just the, it was the, I mean, this was a top of the table clash at Parkhead at the weekend and. It was. It had. It was even midway through the first half. It just assumed this pattern of a com- complete attack versus defence routine, and I know that is in part uh, due to the way you know Craig Levine set his team up. But it was so unbelievably one-sided for a first versus second game in the the top league in the country. It was. It was quite startling. I'll couch that by saying that Hearts half had horrendous injuries. Mm-hmm. You know four key players down already, you know, so their tactics were and, and personnel were adapted to suit and Craig Levine said yeah. he, he got it wrong. Yeah, he did admit that. He did admit that. He maybe tried to be aye. too clever, you know, but I'm not sure how much those a difference a full-strength hearts would have made. Well, when you've you know? got four injuries to first-team players, no matter who they are, it's it's a real yeah. kick in the stomach, but when it's it your arguably your four best players, yeah. so you know, it's a kicking the stomach and then some. You have to take that into account because they did play Celtic completely different like Tynecastle earlier in the season when they won. Would they have played the same way at Celtic Park? You just don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of variables there but having said that, Celtic can only beat the Hearts team that's put out on yep. the day and the and the team that they fielded. So, but there is, there is you know, there's ominous signs. You know, they are, they are dismantling te- opposition teams now. Not just winning, which they were struggling to do earlier in the season score a lot of goals they are now dismantling teams Edward netted a double Liam on Saturday against Hearts that's 7-7 seven and seven for him since the start of October he's really starting to find his feet this season he is aye, uh, undoubtedly uh, as I said there was signs of it kind of finding his feet towards the end of last season uh, came off the bench obviously scored that kind of famous goal against Rangers at Ibrooks uh, with a couple in the league winning game against Rangers as well and maybe I think the departure of Moussa Dembele has you know actually been a really good thing for 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 Edward. I know that the two of them were close were close pals alongside the likes of Olivier and Cham, but it's it's given Edward uh, with Lee Griffiths being out as well. He's now he's the main man at the moment, and even at you know kind of young age that he's at, he's he seems to be sort of relishing that that opportunity. It's almost a mirror image of what happened when Dembele came into the Celtic side in two thousand sixteen. Lee Griffiths got injured, Dembele came in, scored a hatchet against Rangers in the 5-1 game, kicked on from there. Mm-hmm. 
Edouard played bit parts last season, scored that cracking goal against Rangers, but this season has taken his chance because the Griffiths have got injured. You know? What? And it's kinda of mirror image the two of them in the way their paths have gone in their Celtic career. Absolutely. Career, and you know? He started this season um, maybe stutteringly. Eduardo, he was performing here and there and then Griffiths got his chance, scored three or four games in a row, I think, not too long ago. But since he's got his injury and, and, and at, at that point, everyone was saying Lee Griffiths is the finisher at Celtic, yeah. need mm-hmm. to get them back on track. But since he's then got injured and Eduardo has come back in and really blown any doubters away. I think the thing about Eduardo is he's a finisher and a technician. No, that's that's very difficult. You know, Dembele was the same. You know, and, and it's it's very difficult to, to operate with both of them in Scottish football because you know you're, you're tightly marked and stuff. But he, he has all the attributes to be a baller. You know, and uh, my only criticism of, of late doesn't like celebrating goals much, does he? <laughs> you know, he scores a goal and it's as if you know somebody's given him a bit of bad news. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, he rattled that one and off the crossbar <laughs> on Saturday, and he just yeah, a screamer and. You know, I'm, I mean, goals at Ibrox are different. You maybe show some emotion then, as you. But I, I, I don't like players that. That's that's your job. You know, you should be happy. Are you one of these that doesn't like players celebrating against their former clubs, or vice versa? Oh, I'd love players celebrating against yeah. their former <laughs> clubs. I'm a kind of by your man, iconic. You know, uh, I hate that. I, I know there's a respect thing there, but you know, it's the most important aspect of football. Mm. So scoring goals, you've. You've played football yourself, it's the greatest feeling in the world, yeah. you know, or one of them. <laughs> you know, so you should be happier. Well, we'll maybe see if he scores uh, against Leipzig, um, if his smile widens at all. I, I just, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> he's just a new breed of football that takes it for granted that I'm a striker, I score goals. Well, maybe that's, that's the case. I, I, do. don't th- I don't think yeah. you're alone in your, in your thoughts <laughs> right enough. Edward's not the only forward-thinking Celtic player hitting a stride at the moment. Forrest has got three and three, Christie's really come into his own Sinclair's starting to you know work his way back into the team this is really what has been key in this turnaround it's not just one or two players that are hitting form at once for Celtic it's the majority of them mm-hmm. Liam yeah I think there was I think we've touched on it before in the podcast that Celtic for a during that sort of run where it was a bit stuttering it was a bit stop start that they were kind of crying out for guys to you know it's a cliched phrase but you know taking the game by the scruff of the neck like taking it upon themselves to make things happen and it, for a while it just wasn't happening, they were being criticised for the sort of side to side passing a bit too passive in their approach um, but all of a sudden that uh, the six goal route against St Johnston and ever since then it's just yeah. the floodgates have opened, the confidence seems to come, have come back and I've just kind of want to touch on as well the just how looking back on it, how important was that goal from Lee Griffiths at McDermott Park? Mm-hmm. Um, again, wasn't a great performance. Looked as it was, it was better, but it wasn't top top drawer. Um, and if, but it's just that from that that goal, they got the result yeah. that they needed. And if ever since then, there was that was one, and then Sinclair's goal against Aberdeen, uh-huh. yes, a couple of one nil wins in a row. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, as well, you touched on it. That there's goals coming from everywhere. You know, Benkovic got off the mark as well yeah. last week, you know. Bayata, no stranger to a, a headed goal. You know, Christie's weighing in, Sinclair's weighing in, Forrest weighing in, Edward, you know, Sham gets his fair share of goals, McGregor as well, you know. So, I mean, that's nearly virtually every outfield player, you know, that's capable yeah. and is getting on the score sheet, you know. So, that, that I mean, if you have players like that in your team, it, it, it comes down to the fact that there's, there's a, a raft of quality players. 
in the yeah. side at the moment, you know? Absolutely. Well, it's a tougher test for Celtic this week against Leipzig. Certainly a, a step up in quality of opposition than they've been facing domestically recently. Defeat, though, and it's curtains for Celtic's European hopes this season. Tony, what do you expect to happen? Do you know what? There's a feeling about Celtic that they can actually surpass Leipzig's head-to-head, you know, and, and win 3-0. And I liken this to when Liam Brady's team played Cologne, 92, and they lost 2-0 and had one shot at goal over in Germany, came back to Parkhead, and it was one of the few highlights of Brady's tenure, and Celtic won 3-0. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Edouard was alluding to in his pre-match interview when he said they're facing a different Celtic team. You know, now Red Bull like Big seemingly played a, a string, a second string against Celtic away from home in Germany, so we'll see. But, you know, there's a there's a wee bit of a swagger about Celtic in this one. If they lose and it's curtains, will they be too bothered? I still think that domestic dominance and holding on to those three trophies is uppermost in their mind. But we make a fight of it tomorrow night? I certainly think so. And I think if they get an early one and the crowd's behind them, then I, I think they could score three. Can they not concede is the big question, well, you know? That's that's what I was about to touch on there. Celtic's last three games... And domestically, thirteen nil, no, no goals against, and the the partnerships at the back really seem to be taking hold. But come on, Leipzig are full of quality, quality players, and we touched on the fact that Hearts haven't had their first choice strikers in the last couple of games with Naismith getting injured, and then before that it was Dundee who couldn't hit a barn door from five yards at the moment. So, how much do you expect Celtic to be tested tomorrow, Liam? Oh, hugely, uh, it's a it's a massive, a massive, massive test. It's a, obviously, if there's going to be and it goes without saying, if there's any hope of matching or overturning this head-to-head record, then keeping Leipzig out is just as important as as, as scoring at the other end. And it has been, it's been. I mean, again, Celtic can only play what's in front of them, um, but they've not been, although they've been on a good defensive run, they've not been coming up against sides, as you say, who are firing on all cylinders. And this will probably be a measure of Benkovic looks a he looks a player. It's certainly at Premiership level he looks a player. But I think um, throwing him into a game like this will be a real measure of the kind of level of talent that you know, obviously he's only yeah. on loan. But the Celtic have got um, was it thirteen million? Thirteen million. Thirteen million Leicester paid for him. So he's obviously. They obviously see he's got a bit about him, um, but he'll be key if he can. If him and Boyata, who they seem to be striking up a good, a decent partnership, um, if they can be really on it, um, Craig Gordon, who can have a good game and goal, and it's like Tony says, if you get a, an early, an early goal at Celtic Park, it really, you know, it takes things well, up another level. It, it may well do, but recently at Celtic Park, Celtic haven't done it on the European stage. Some of the teams exactly, that have yeah. come to Celtic Park recently neither won or taken points off Celtic and are left last season. Gladbach, for example, in the Europa League before that, Molda, yeah. Ajax, Fenerbahce, you know, these are teams that Celtic at home should be able to compete with and beat. You forgot Red Bull, who came and to Park and gave yeah. Celtic an absolute football yeah. lesson when Ronnie Dyla was in charge and they won 3 1. Yeah. And I think one of the players of the story was the boy Kevin Campbell. It was terrific that night, and mm-hmm. he's he's already said he's going to end Celtic Europa League hopes. So you know they're coming mm-hmm. with a mission, you know. And you've mentioned all those teams, you know, and Celtic's European record up until then was pretty formidable. You know, heavyweights came and went away with nothing, lost. You know, but as of late, Celtic have been ripe for the taking. At so what, what needs to change then in that regard? 
I just think that, that you results know, obviously, but how does it change? Well, the, the problem is, you know, it's it's getting back to the whole they don't get tested like this domestically, you know. But it, it, it's up to the manager and the players to say, right, we we're going to have to raise it more than you would normally, you know, if if that's possible, you know. But uh, you know, how can you go from a team that's got a formidable home record to all of a sudden all mm-hmm. on Sunday coming and you know plundering points and away wins and draws in your own your own backyard it's staggering really when you think about it but I just think it's a I think Euro, European teams are getting better for a start and Celtic you know it's, it's hard for them to compete with the Europa League class of team now you know you know, it was, it's harder still at Champions League level, but you, you saw it by failing to qualify this season. You know, but it's getting harder at Europa League level as well, Andy, you know. Do both of you expect Celtic to go out of tomorrow with their European hopes still alive? No. No, Liam? No. Tony? I don't know. There's something in me that thinks history might repeat itself and they could could win 3 nothing. You know, that you, you have to be ever the optimist. And I think if Celtic are going to produce a result like that, it's now, you know, couple of weeks ago, you know, going back to the McDermott Park game against St Johnston, you would have said no chance. They've got a fighting chance, so they they have to have to take it. You know, they have to go down fighting, and I think the fans would accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying. I mean, I'm that. I'm, that um, I mean, I'm expecting a better performance from Celtic uh, against Leipzig. Certainly, compared to what they've served up in Europe so far this season, but I just think it's maybe a a bit too much of an ask mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're a quality outfit you have to hold your hands up and accept that they're, they're a quality team So, but they've played against superior teams and got results so why can't they make it one of those memorable nights let's look ahead to Sunday's game then it is Sunday is it <laughs> Livingston um, this is a different kind of test that Celtic will be facing um, a team that you know prefer to sit in with a very direct approach um, well, how do you see Celtic adapting to that and what do they need to do? You know, Livingston have been terrific this season. That they, Every player knows what he's doing in that set-up. It ain't broke, so they didn't have to fix it when David Hopkins left. And as the, you saw against Rangers, you know, every player knows their job. And when you're well-drilled and disciplined and organised, you can get results. It's up to Celtic. But I think the way Celtic are playing it, I just think that that will be Livingston won't see the ball they'll be content not to see mm-hmm. the ball but as long as it's not flying into their net but I just think don't think they'll be able to stop wave after wave I don't think Celtic will in, no. in current form I don't think they'll be adapting for anybody on a domestic level I think they'll just be let Livingston uh, try and cope with them exactly so it'll be a case of we're going to come out and we'll do our thing and you can you can try and stop us they'll play through them basically mm-hmm. you yeah know. Because they've got the guile and they've got the quality and they've got the craft, and it's it's all coming, coming back. As you, we've touched on the players that are hitting the form again, you know. Well, this Livingston, although having lost their last two games, has only been by one goal margins against the uh, Aki's and St Johnston. So, although the wheels seem to maybe be starting to come off in the hopes of a top six finish, perhaps starting to fade, it's certainly not going to be an easy task for Celtic to go and, and roll Levy over, you know? No, I don't think it'll be a Dundee where you could see within the first 20 minutes that it was going to be a complete whitewash. Uh, I think Levy have got a lot more about them than that. Uh, but as you said, uh, not 
after that kind of great run at the start of the season, it's kind of maybe not the wheels coming off a wee bit, but kind of maybe slowing down to what was maybe more expected of them. Yeah. Um, because the uh, top six finish was at this stage of the season for them was always quite a it was the talk of that was quite you know a bit premature, mm-hmm. regardless of how well they'd been playing. Um, but I don't think it's like you said, I don't think they'll roll over for Celtic. I think it'll be a, it'll be a, a test for them, but um, I. It's, an, it's, it's one that I, I can't see anything but them winning in current form. Oh, they'll be made to work, that's no doubt about that. And also as well, we need to see how they come through Thursday mm-hmm. in terms of personnel and the way they'll, they'll yeah. line up. But, I mean, at this moment in time, you, you can't see anything, you can't see past anything other than a, a convincing win again, you know. But it might be tougher than it was against Hearts, you know. But they'll, they'll, be, they'll be made to certainly uh, work for the, for the win. Let's chat about Ryan Christie again. We touched on him last week about how he's come into the squad and really has taken his chance at the moment. Uh, another goal at the weekend against Hearts, albeit from the penalty spot. His dad's said this week, his dad Charlie said this week that there is talk of a new contract. Now, we spoke last week, Tony, about how maybe some people were jumping to conclusions about the importance of Christie. Is this maybe a bit premature? I think Celtic... Uh, as a club would have loved uh, Charlie Christie for coming out and blowing that one wide <laughs> open, you know what I mean? They like to do a lot of their business indoors, mm-hmm. as you know, and keep it in-house, but it's it's out there now. But I think the Celtic supporters will be delighted that they're even contemplating that, because I think they still, they still to see the best of Ryan Christie, you know, and he's now the player that they thought they'd signed. Mm-hmm. You know, starting to fulfil that that potential, you know, there's a great word in football potential, but he's starting to fulfil it, he's starting to look look at the player that everyone thought he was, creative, can score goals. We touched on it last week, he's bulked up as well. You know, he, he doesn't look like a wee boy in a, in a, a man's playground anymore. Mm-hmm. He, he looks like he belongs. And see, when you feel like you belong, you you start to strut your stuff and that, that's what he's doing. You know, he's he, he thinks he's, he's puffed his chest out and you know what, I can do this. You know, that's exactly it. Tony, I've always felt, Liam, I don't know about you, that Ryan Christie's got a bit of a nasty streak in him, I think. Maybe someone with a bit of a temper who's not afraid to you know, you know, know, step up to the, the plate. And he has done it in recent weeks. It's taken a while, but he's starting to do it now. So is it just reward? I think it is. I mean, I must admit, I'll hold my hands up when he came back to... I kind of expected him to go elsewhere in the summer. And when he came back to Celtic, I couldn't really see... I'm getting too much, too much of a look in, um, but he certainly proved me wrong, and I'm doubtless proved a few others wrong. At the, certainly at the moment, mm-hmm. anyway. And he has, it's, I think you you mentioned that nasty streak that he has for like a creative player. He has got that bit of steel about him. You only had to there was a wee a wee incident with Harry Cochran on Saturday where Christie, it was a strange one. Christie fouled Cochran. It was a wee bit of a soft one, but then as Cochran tries to get back up, he's uh, pushed the boy back down to the ground and they've had a wee bit of, so he's not he's like it comes maybe comes back to what Tony said that he's it's as if he now feels at home mm-hmm. um, he feels as if he belongs in that top flight environment I could have maybe used a better example than him picking on 16 year old Harry Cochran <laughs> right enough <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my point still stands he has that he's a bully yeah, he has yeah, that yeah, bit yeah. about him he, he uh, looks a take on but Christy uh-huh. you know because he still has that mm-hmm. boyish look no, she might get away with stuff, but if there's a quiet assassin in there, you know what I mean? And, you know, some players are good at that. 
and getting away with stuff mm-hmm. and just giving it the smile <laughs> and it's, oh, it's, chat, it's, uh, it's Ryan Christie, you wouldn't hurt a fly, you know. <laughs> so he, he, he's learning that side of the game as well, what envelopes to push and how far they can mm-hmm. push it, especially if you're going to be a midfielder for Celtic. And, you know, and I'm not saying he, he's, he's dirty or anything like that, but it does a, there's a knack to doing that kind of thing, you know, and, yeah. and being... You know, strong and aggressive. Yeah, and as well, channeling when, it the right way. When they got that the the penalty before the fifth goal, you know, he wanted he wanted that he wanted to take it with the likes of um, I think Sinclair and Edward off the field. So he stepping. I mean, I know they were winning four 0 at the time, but he's stepping up and taking responsibility. Huh? stepping up, taking responsibility. Um, and I think, and he's he's displays uh, over. Uh, the last few weeks, it would be a, a good investment for Celtic uh, to back tie to, him down. All goes back to the fact he's a good footballer. Yeah, he he's a really good you footballer. Know, and I'm of the opinion, and people say, I, they, these guys can't play in the same. You can't get enough good footballers in your team. I'm sorry. You know, you, mm-hmm. you find systems or places for these players to play in. You know, if you're a good footballer, you're a good footballer. It doesn't really matter where you play. If you can be a good footballer and influence, you know, anything that happens on a football park. So, and and I think it's taken him Ryan a while to realise how good a footballer he is. He's been called up to the Scotland squad. We predicted that as well last week, Tony. Do you expect him to have an impact or to be involved there? I'd like to see him have an impact and be involved, but uh, I don't know if the man, the Alex McLeish, will think that it's a reward for his performances of late. Mm-hmm. You know, but he'll maybe go with a tried and tested that he, he's used so far to a varying degree of success <laughs> you know but I think if you're a Scotland fan which we all are we we, we want to see that our, our best and our informed players play so for me it would be you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a risk to play Ryan Christie in any of these internationals because you, you know he'd be one he's delighted to be there and he just wants to play football now and get as many games and, and take responsibility so I, I, I would be I wouldn't be averse to throwing him in Liam, James Forrest also in the squad, he didn't really play much of a part last time. Do you expect that to change? I think it's it's got to really, hasn't it? I mean, it was a really, really strange one where he, for him not to, especially not starting the game against Israel. Um, considering the form he was in, it was, a, it was a bizarre, bizarre call from Alex McLeish. I mean, I can, you can understand to an extent that Scotland manager wanting to stick with a team that had that'd beat Albania, but I mean... You know, as, as Tony says, I mean, surely this is. How often do you talk about this with Scotland that we don't pick the form players at the the time that they're they're playing at the top of their game? It just seem, we just seem to have this conversation about Scotland all the time. Um, so I I think I think Forrest he's, he's surely got to he's surely got to come into the side because there was I mean there was you I mean who against Israel could you say had done anything really? Apart from Alan McGregor, uh, to maybe keep their place, and plays, they're also must-win I mean, so. games, you know. So we have to, we have to go out and attack and win. How, how do you win games? You attack. So you have to play attacking players. Is there an argument though that Brendan, uh, sorry, James Forrest, perhaps needs Brendan Rodgers to perform him and be on his game? Because from a Scotland fans' point of view, I honestly couldn't tell you the last time I saw James Forrest play well for his country. <laughs> I think also as well, there's a. And maybe that's down to the fact as well that there seems to be a general malaise about Scotland, you know, and players who are informed don't perform. 
our country. I don't know why, because you know it's the pinnacle of your career. But Strachan stuck by Forrest a lot, and often used the phrase, "What he's got, nobody else in my squad has." But I didn't see it. Yeah, we didn't see it. You know, and, and 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 as everyone sees, it's hard to reproduce your club form for your country. I, I get that, but the 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 laws of the game don't change, or the rules of the game don't change. You know, you're still trying to do the same things, and as maybe just some players feel more comfortable at their clubs. I, I Perhaps guess that's that's one reason, because uh, you just can't fathom it out that you can be so dominant domestically, go away internationally, and and look, look lost at times, you know. If McLeish decides to change to a 4-2-3-1 as has been the case for Scotland recently, I would expect Forrest to play. Do you think maybe the fact that he's currently playing with wing-backs limits this, Forrest's involvement? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that was the, was that the reason that he, he originally pointed to, kind of hinted at perhaps, is why Forrest uh, wasn't involved. But I mean... I think really again, that's to make sure Tierney plays, but... Yeah, <laughs> aye, aye. Um... But it's not as if, full, um, sorry, not fullback, wing back. It's not as if it's a, an alien position to James Forrest. He has done it for Celtic. Obviously, it's not where he's at his most effective. Um, I mean, laterally striking cotton down to the fact that Celtic were the dominant team in mm-hmm. Scottish football, played the strong Celtic contingent because they were used to winning, used to each other, and they failed to qualify by a whisker, right? A goal, yeah. You know? So. Surely McLeish is looking on as well right now, and and saying, or he should be, and seeing, you know, Christie, Forrest, Tierney, you know, these guys are functioning at a high high level, you know, for their club. Mm-hmm. So surely you have to turn and say, okay, we would ha- we would stand a better chance if guys like that played, you know, and and Armstrong's not long left. Oh, they'll still so be familiar with each other, so yeah. So there's a familiarity there which became routine under Stark in Scotland at the end of his mm-hmm. reign, which wasn't enough to save him, but, you know, that that was the argument for sh- should he stay, you know, and I think there's that contingent of Celtic players that are used to winning and playing at high level that, that, that to stand a chance, to, he should maybe give them the nod or think about giving them the nod for this, this crucial doubleheader. Before we wrap up, fellas, let's discuss Daniel Arzani and his unfortunate injury. As, as far as he's concerned, and Celtic, to be fair, it's pretty much sod's law, Liam. Oh, I know, I mean, how how unlucky. Um, all this kind of talk of him, when's he going to get a chance, when's he going to get a chance? And then he came on, he looked he looked good. Again, it was one of those, he's coming on with the games, the game's dead, but, I mean, he looked bright, he looked as if he's really got a bit about him. Um, but it's just terrible luck, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean that's was that for the rest of the season out yeah. finished. It's it's I mean it's a shame, especially I think it's especially for I, mean, I know he's got time inside to come back. That's the, the the swing side to it. But for a you know seeing a young player like that yeah. breaking down with that kind of injury, just as he seems to be getting his opportunity, it's a, it was a real shame I, I, when he was getting carted off though. I don't think anyone, including us, Tony, we yeah. said last week, no, I don't even think Brendan anyone, Rogers didn't. nobody expected this to be the diagnosis. Uh, first and foremost, it's, it's, a, it's a major blow to Celtic, you know, because and, and their supporters and the fans, because I think they wanted to see him, because they, they'd heard a lot about him and, and maybe saw snippets and flashes and thought, this boy's a player, the 18-minute cameo that he had at Dens Party, he seemingly looked apart. And now you're wondering, will he ever play for Celtic again? 
because you'll go back to Manchester City, mm-hmm. the parent club, and you might not see him again. The next time you see him might be in any uh, World Cup tie or something. <laughs> or, you know, so you just don't know, you know. And I know, and the, what was it, 18 months, wasn't yeah. it? 18 months, so mm-hmm. it might do a, a Paddy Robertson come back, you know, and, and have his moment in the sun with Celtic. But at this moment, as you see, the, the, the diagnosis is, is a shame because I'm sure the boy himself mm-hmm. wanted to make some kind of impression. Because he was starting to make a nose with the Socceroos as well, you know. So yeah. it's a setback for Celtic, setback for Azani, setback for Australia, and even bigger setback for Manchester City, who paid money for him and the, stuff, you know. So the way it's all materialised is a bit strange, though, because Azani's attitude and approach on social media post injury or po- immediately post injury would never have suggested that this is what the case was. There was no hint that it was as serious as yeah. that. There was mm-hmm. the the web report doing the rounds that it was the ACL. I don't think anybody took that seriously. Mm-hmm. I think they just put that down to social media rumour, you know, and, and now all of a sudden that's been confirmed. So, you know, it, it, it is a shame, but I, I, uh, he didn't strike me as being as seriously injured as that, yeah. and, and his social media posts it certainly didn't allude to anything as serious. You well, know? We, we don't, well, it's, it's not a full rupture, I believe. I think it's a tear. We don't know how thick the tear is. The bottom line, though, is that he needs surgery and that's really uh, the kick in the teeth for him, Liam. The fact that he's going to have to go under the knife and the rehab is going to be absolutely hands-on. Oh, I know. It's not, it's, I mean, it could, I mean, it could be the making a make or break of him in a way, do you know what I mean? Because he's going to need a lot of for somebody so young, it, it takes, I would imagine it takes a lot, a lot of character. Mental strength, yeah. Yeah. To, to sort of stay positive and and bounce back from something like this. Uh, so as you say, he's got a he's got a pretty horrible time ahead of him. But it was just you know as you touched on, just nobody nobody expected it really. Um, I think those reports came out a couple of couple of hours after the game, but they were straight from Australia. There was the, uh, there was no indication here that um, it was as serious as that. Brendan Rodgers in his post match interview kind of joked about it because Alzani was waving at the fans. As he was stretched off, any social media posts since of you know he, he looks he looks like a boy trying to stay up mm-hmm. upbeat and not putting too much of a uh, a downer on himself, which I don't know. Obviously, can't speak for him. I don't know the boy, but it, you know if he's tr- if he's trying to stay upbeat and positive, then that can kind of maybe bodes well for him being able to deal with the, the whole strain, the the psychological strain that you mentioned. Um, but just coming back to that, it's just a, it's just a real shame. And it's like Tony says, you, you know, you don't know if you, you'll see him in a Celtic shirt yeah, again. Absolutely. Right. Well, thanks very much for coming back onto the podcast, fellas. You can subscribe at all the usual places, listeners, Acast, iTunes, etc. So thanks very much for listening, and join us again next week. <laughs> <laughs>